Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also have strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing, from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and in interviewing the experts to help you and your journey to success. This episode is sponsored by Bright Pearl. Bright Pearl is a platform that helps Shopify-powered businesses like yours streamline everything that happens after a customer hits the buy button. Download Bright Pearl's free guide to automating your e-commerce orders now and discover how you could save tens of hours every single week with a few simple changes. Head to brightpearl.com forward slash life is short. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. Today, I'm delighted to announce a new series that we're going to be going through for the next few weeks. I think we've scheduled about three so far, possibly four. So do stay tuned for that. And we're doing this in partnership with our lovely partners at BrightPearl. So if you've been listening to the podcast for quite a while, you'll know that we've done a few different series with BrightPearl because there's so many different areas that they get to cover, especially with their partnership with Shopify. So if anybody's not tuned in before, my name's Nick. I'm the host of the show here. I also run a couple of businesses that you might have heard in the intro or we're here on other episodes and that sort of thing. And before we dive in, if you want to hit the subscribe button, please do. It really helps support the show. And I've been reading through some of the reviews recently as well. And I'm yet to have a really, really bad review that's offended me. Please don't go in there and try and do that. But do tell us what you think. And please be as honest as you can. This show is designed for Shopify store owners. So the more information you give us, the better. So without further ado, we're going to dive into this new series today. So today's going to be part one. And the new series is all about automating your Shopify store so that you can scale it up. So we're going to be looking at lots of different tools, different ways that particular Shopify stores have managed to get the foundations in place and start to scale. We're also going to uncover some of the challenges they've been through as well. I've got two very special guests today. And anyone that's tuned in for a while will know that normally I have one guest. And when we've had two before, we've had them one and then the other. So today's going to be a little bit different. Their names are Jessica and John. They're from a business called True Cable based out in the US, and they are obviously a Shopify store as well. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jessica and John. Hey, Nick. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us today, Nick. Cool. Well, it's great to have you both here. And just before we dive in, we always ask the golden question. I think, Jessica, we're going to pass this one over to you today. Tell us about True Cable. How did it start? What do you guys do? And how does it all fit together? Yeah, so we started True Cable to shake up an outdated industry low voltage supplies. So we deliver high quality products, low voltage supplies direct to consumer. So we're providing ethernet cable, tools, accessories, everything you would need to do a data networking project. All our products are fully certified. We test them together as a system, but we're also creating an experience. So we've got our cable academy with educational content on our website that shows you how to use the products we sell. 
Nice. And we'll probably dig into the academy a bit later because that sounds like an amazing piece of marketing activity. So we'll probably come into uh, come onto that a little bit later. But then a question for either of you, so whichever one of you wants to pick this one out. How did True Cable start? So like what were the foundations? Where did it all sort of come from? Yeah, so True Cable began with the idea of, like Jess said, noticing an outdated industry that was primarily uh, distribution, you know, the manufacturer sells to the middleman, there's a markup, you know, then to the consumer. And where we found ourselves was in a position where we could provide service from the manufacturer, pricing from the manufacturer directly to the consumer, recognize that opportunity and really just start with the mindset that, hey, true cable can be the end all solution to debunking, you know, misinformation in the industry, providing quality products direct to the consumer at an affordable price, similar to many brands and businesses you see being built today. Low voltage supplies just fell into our laps as an opportunity that we thought we fit best with. What I love about what you've just said is it's counter to what I've seen quite a lot of, especially with the growth of Shopify. And what I've seen quite a lot is a lot of businesses, they just kind of go, oh, that looks easy. Let's find some products, put them on a website and see if we make any money. Whereas actually what you guys have just outlined with both of your introductions to the business is actually you guys instantly set up to solve a problem, didn't you? There was, there was a clear issue in the industry and you highlighted the industry and instantly got out there to solve that. You, you almost had a mission before you'd even probably got the first product on a shelf. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. And, and Jess and I both have experience in the, the wire and cable industry and providing that service to the end user where it's a you know, end-to-end solution, products are tested as a system, qualities, you know, fact-checked and spot-checked regularly, we're able to pass on the level of service that we want to the, the end user, the person that's going to be installing it, whether they're a, a DIYer or a, a certified installer who does this daily. We have the ability to, to provide whatever's needed for anybody and everybody that, that comes to our website. Sure. And I guess, I mean, as somebody who runs a business, I've had my fair share of, in the UK, we call them IT people, my fair share of people trying to cable things or, you know, for, as an end user's point of view, I just want a cable in my computer that gives me internet or more, more likely in these days, you know, I need to plug into an intranet or do things wirelessly. And I think what I love is you mentioned about the end-to-end testing as well. And I think, again, so many businesses, they just kind of go, you know, anybody could almost go, all right, well, we could buy lots and lots of old cables or new cables at a really cheap price from any country around the world and ship them to, you know, customers as cheaply as possible. Whereas you guys, it seems to me like you've, you've obviously got a proper brand positioning behind it, that it's not just the case of we'll just get any old kit and sell it to people and they can choose what they want. You're almost trying to provide more of a solution than just some products that somebody else can kind of click together and plug in together. Absolutely. And then, like I said, the, the education behind it, because especially now with with everyone working from home, people are kids are doing school from home. There's a lot of our, our customers that are coming to us DIYers. So we we try to answer those questions and then make that solution as easy as possible. Sure. And I think, yeah, home working has definitely, definitely been a challenge. And I've, I've had my own staff. I think we've probably ordered computers for half the team, uh, brand new computers, because of technical issues or something's gone wrong. 
And because people are at home, it's not as easy for somebody in our IT team just to go and have a quick look or to drop in and just check on them and, you know, find a solution. Because they're at home, it's much more difficult. It's, you know, phoning up over video call to say, well, you know, show me how you've wired everything together. And it's a much bigger challenge now, isn't it? It's almost like instead of having an IT person in the office, you've got 100% of your team now are IT people but they're all looking after themselves. And so getting, making sure somebody has good internet and that kind of thing can, can be a real challenge. Absolutely. And, and Nick, something to add to what Jessica mentioned, you know, the cable, ethernet cable that we sell, that was the, the start, the primary focus for the business when True Cable was started five years ago. And what's happened over time is just simply listening to customers and, and really anybody can, can pick off products and sell cross-sell products that work together. But to, to Jess's point, we, we take it one step further. We, we do all the quality certification testing in-house to, to make absolutely sure that the cabling tests out with the connectors that we sell, the Keystone jacks test well with the tools that go with it. It really is an end-to-end solution. And we're providing that absolute guarantee that if you buy our cabling with the connectors or keystone jacks and tools, it's going to work as a system. So that's the real differentiator for, for what we've been able to accomplish here with the, the help of Bright Pearl, the help of Shopify and, and just, you know, good old fashioned teamwork. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about technology then and specifically about marketing, because, again, it sounds like you guys have a quite an interesting story. And I really want to unpack what some of those challenges were, as well as some of the big successes along the journey. So. You guys, you mentioned, you know, you guys have been running for about five years. Tell me about your first website. What did that look like? What platform was it on? How did it work? We've had multiple iterations of our website until we felt like we got it right and uh, started actually on Magento and then realized that Shopify was actually, there's an ecosystem behind Shopify where there's all these connectors that are built for the tools and uh, the apps that can be easily added to the website. And starting out with a small team, start out with just John and I. So things that we could do in-house ourselves without necessarily having to always look to a developer, hiring that out, paying for that as well as we're just getting started. Shopify just seemed like kind of a plug and play solution for what we needed. Sure. And I, you mentioned about the development time with Magento. We, we have quite a few clients that are on Magento, mostly on Magento 2 now given that Magento 1 has uh, sort of fallen, uh, fallen completely in the bin. But um, we, we do find with those guys, all of the marketing managers and marketing team that we work with, almost all of them are actually developers. They have to learn bits of JavaScript and code to try and make them work. Whereas, as you've said, there's this whole, I, I love the term ecosystem on Shopify. Everything just works. So one developer will build an application once to make it, it, you know, it to actually work and, and integrate with Shopify. And now it's available at a small price per month for lots and lots of people to use that same integration. So how long were you guys on Magento for before you then moved across to Shopify? Was that quite an early decision or was that something that was two or three years sort of into uh, into the journey? We had a slow start, Nick. So actually that Magento site never actually came to fruition and went live. Quickly realized that it was going to be quite a challenge. So made the pivot over to Shopify early on. Rewinding time, you know, thinking about what that process looked like was we were happy with the framework and, and UI for the front end of the website for Magento. We just weren't happy with the back end work that would be needed. And 
you know, if I can recall, it's you, you almost tried to figure out, you know, scalability of the business. And, you know, if we were to stick with Magento, what would a developer cost? What would all the things in the background cost to help us keep up with, with growth month over month? And looking at Shopify, uh, specifically we're Shopify Plus, it does have a high cost per month, you know, comparison to maybe what a developer might cost to maintain a Magento site or an open source platform. Software as a service just makes it super easy for us. And and it fit what we needed at the moment. And it's still, uh, to this day, you know, functionality-wise has gotten us everything we need from point A to point B. So I'm thrilled. It, it, it just enabled us to get up and running so much quicker than, to, to Jess's point, Magento, we just kept being faced with uh, challenge after challenge or, or roadblock after roadblock. Sure. And I think hitting all those roadblocks before you'd even launched, I mean, that it's very similar actually to uh, Gymshark's journey, which is I don't think it's on record, but we're all pretty sure that that's where Shopify Plus came from, <laughs> was Gymshark trying to launch a Magento store, it failing, and Shopify then saying, well, do you know what, we, we'll build a Plus version, which is now called Plus, we'll build a better version for you. And I think it's interesting to see how far, in a way, how quickly you made that decision, which was good, to move across to Shopify. And as you say, with scalability, with Shopify, if you had a million people hit the site today, it's, you know, that was higher than normal that's not going to cost you any extra money in servers. The website's not going to fall apart. We had Shopify themselves on back in December. And over Black Friday and Cyber Weekend, they said that Shopify had a, I think it was 100% uptime in the UK, which was phenomenal. You know, Black Friday is, is huge here now. It's, we very much followed you guys from, from across the pond in that sense. And it was just amazing to see how it was 100% pretty much uptime across the whole of Shopify. And Shopify in the UK did more revenue than Amazon over over the Black Friday weekend, which again, I think is absolutely staggering when you think about the platform itself. But bringing this back to marketing then, so Jessica, I, I love asking this question to store owners. What was your first marketing campaign when you got, so you launched your Shopify, what was the first campaign you ran on that and how did it all go on literally on day one? Oh gosh, that's thinking back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think we were just so happy to have a website we gave it a few weeks to just make sure, like, is this thing real? <laughs> is it all going to work? <laughs> and then took advantage of those discount codes. We've been building up our, our email list. The business got started on Amazon and Amazon is still continues to be a big portion of our sales. So I think, you know, building that email list through the website as well, like capturing who the customer is, getting them to come back with those promo codes. That's something we've continued to do just because that's also an owned channel. In addition to the Shopify website, we own the customer experience, the email list, we own the the experience with that as well. So thinking back, I'm pretty sure it was probably a, a promo code of some sort for discounts on the site. Yeah, we were utilizing MailChimp, which doesn't have a, a terribly strong integration with Shopify. And we quickly started to research what email marketing platforms worked really well with Shopify and our other platforms and came to came to find Klaviyo, if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick, I mean, Klaviyo has just been brilliant, you know, as far as communicating with our customers, like abandoned shop or abandoned cart email flows returning customer email flows. So 
I think that's one thing that, that Jess and the marketing team do a great job of. I think with a product like yours as well, it's not it's not something that would particularly lend itself to, in the traditional sense, in a sort of Instagram, you know, person laying on a beach with a with an Ethernet cable. You know, it's, it's a very very different type of product. And I imagine a lot of your customers are B two B, aren't they? They're businesses. Per, or perhaps one-person businesses or larger organizations ordering things for the company. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. You know, anything from larger low-voltage installation companies down to churches installing all their IT equipment, car dealerships, which is kind of a lot of our DIY customers is actually their business owners trying to do their own projects. Uh, interesting. So I think in a sense, as you mentioned about the email side of things, so certainly abandoned basket flows, I think it's interesting to then think about how that's probably working for your particular customer, given that businesses are unlikely to purchase something on their first visit. You know, this isn't an impulse buy this is probably something they've thought, do you know what, I should probably fix this problem or we need better infrastructure, where do we start? One of the statistics I read, which I, I'm pretty sure was based on US data about two years ago, was that in a B2B journey, in a business-to-business transaction, 70% of the journey is just purely Googling and reading up on things, you know, searching the problem. This is my problem. What can I do about it? What are the options? And then the last 30% is the actual sales process, you know, the as we call bottom of the funnel. You know, they're actually looking to make a purchase or start engaging with a salesperson. So you mentioned the academy earlier. What other things or or tell us about the Academy and any other bits that you're doing to engage people in that exploratory process then? Yeah, I actually sent out a report from Google Analytics yesterday to the team. We've got loads of different articles, videos, infographics there in the Cable Academy with how to kind of like John was saying, maybe debunking some misinformation in the industry. And it continues on that Google Analytics report our top 50 pages getting traffic to the website, they continue to be those articles in the Cable Academy. So we're really pushing content to drive traffic to the site. I say we want to become an authority in the industry, place that people can look for information about their projects, about the products we sell. So we're providing value. And hopefully while they're there, they pop in and consider buying some of our products. (laughs) What the Cable Academy does really well is it builds the customer's trust, right? They they find us organically through a search, you know, what is Cat6 versus Cat6A? They they come to find our blog at the top page of Google, click on it, they read, they watch the video, and then, oh, by the way, it looks like True Cable also sells a full end-to-end solution. Here's the cable I need, here's the connectors I need to terminate with it, I've got everything I need that initial phase of how they find us and then purchase what they need is just the cherry on top. We're not just here to sell products. We're here to educate as well. That's that's just as important as as helping our customers with what they need. And how how important, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you, how important is that part of the journey, do you think or know to your customers? Like, I'm not going to ask what would happen if you didn't have it, but, you know, how important is it to the journey? Do you, do you think that that is the difference maker for you guys, the sort of USP of we give you so much information and then, as you say, the cherry on top. Would you say that is the most important part of the marketing strategy then? I would say yes. That's a big part of the focus and where we spend a lot of time every day. The team 
spends a lot of time putting that content together. And like I said, it's driving a lot of traffic. We are competing against a lot of well-known larger brands in the industry. So trying to kind of put ourselves in there, build that trust, like John said, has been huge. And answering customer questions, it's helped on the customer service side as well. Just like, what do I need? What do I choose? So yeah, it's a big focus for us, especially for this year strategy-wise. We've got a larger marketing team to focus on the content, added video on YouTube to the blogs. So yeah, Nick, we have a saying on our end, content is king and queen (laughs) because really it it does everything we need it to. It debunks that misinformation. It answers commonly asked customer questions. It describes how to use our products. I mean, what we've simply done is look out on the internet, listen to our customers, research, you know, technical specifications and we try to keep a backlog of, of content that we can just continually pump out each week, whether it's written content, infographics, video content, you name it. It's, it's all necessary to continue to grow this business and scale it to what we think it could potentially be. Sure. And I guess a really big question here, how do you come up with the content? Like, is there a big calendar or, you know, do you guys find those days where you're sort of scratching your head going, how on earth can we talk about ethernet cables again? And how do you, how do you actually come up with that content plan? Because I know a lot of our listeners will be having that kind of issue, you know, sort of, I don't know what to talk about now. I've run out of ideas sort of thing. So We actually hired someone who has industry experience. He has a background in installing the products we sell because exactly, Nick, John and I early on scratching our heads, like I always say, we kind of sell an unsexy product. It's not (laughs) something that is easily lent itself to exciting pictures on the beach or something like you say or influences or holidays or yeah it's it's not an emotive product in that sense is it so we listen to our customers and then also just driving from you know that in-house experience with don who's been with us for a couple years now and it certainly takes time to kind of build up that backlog of blogs so yeah, and Don actually has an interesting journey. I'll, I'll give Jess, she deserves tons of credit here. Don, our, our technical representative for True Cable, he was actually a, a customer before he was a, a True Cable employee. He left a, gosh, I want to say it was about a three paragraph long review raving about one of our Cat6 Direct Burial products, included pictures, and, and Jess took note of that and actually reached out to him directly to see if he contractually wanted to write blogs for us on the Cable Academy. That contract, 1099 contract, turned into a full-time position with True Cable. And yeah, Don does a great job along with everybody else on our team to, to keep that backlog of content. And I guess to not give away too many secrets, but give you an answer, you know, just scraping the internet. What are our competitors writing about? What is the industry talking about? Uh, there's so many websites that you can visit and so much information online these days that it's just about staying in the know within your industry, seeing what opportunities there are to maybe talk about misinformation, You know, utilizing our industry as an example, copper clad aluminum is sold too often on Amazon. It's a non-compliant ethernet cable made of, well, just as it sounds, copper clad aluminum, 
Here at True Cable, we only sell solid bare copper, which is fully compliant with ANSI TIA standards. So having an opportunity to speak about the differences between copper clad aluminum and solid copper, that's just one example that, that we hit on in the Cable Academy. I think it's a, it's an amazing journey you've been on. And I think I love the fact that he came from a, a customer review. And that, I'll be honest, it's the first time I've heard of it coming exactly from that sort of thing. But I think you've, I, it sounds like you've absolutely nailed it in terms of, you know, how do you come up with creative content? Well, get, get a user of the products to come up with it. I think we've, we've spoken a lot in the past about focus groups and quite a few Shopify store owners have spoken about the need to engage with customers but also something that popped up a couple of weeks ago in our team was talking about unique ways to engage with customers. Because it, it, in one sense, it's fine to read a couple of reviews and send some emails to hire a customer <laughs> as, a, as an employee. I think it's brilliant. And have them actually on you know, full-time payroll, helping you create content sounds like an amazing way to do it. And I, I guess next question then is going to be around, we've got all these new customers coming in. Shopify is there as the front end system for your website. So your website's not going to go under, it's not going to disappear. It can house all of that content as well. What other stuff is going on in the background? And, you know, we're not going to beat around the bush. Bright Pearl are sponsoring this and you guys are a Bright Pearl customer. Talk to me about the, the back end system then, because this is going to be a problem, I think, for a lot of our listeners. If they, if they nail it and they start to grow like you guys have, what backend systems did you start with and what backend systems are you now using? You know, which ones have worked for you and which ones haven't? So we started out with a larger ERP, it's called Acumatica. And for being a small startup type business, it was really a very complex software for what we needed. We knew we couldn't continue to do development for these connectors to our different platforms, Amazon, eBay, Shopify, it would take a lot of time and a lot of money, a lot of effort to to build those connectors and needed something fairly quickly so we could keep business moving. So did a lot of research and found Bright Pearl as an option. And the thing that really caught our eye is just all these integrations they have to different sales channels through inventory management, order entry, shipping. We were manually entering all the orders into this older ERP system, which took loads of time. And John and I knew if we continued to scale, that was not sustainable. We would have had to hire more people or we needed to automate. And just using technology to work smarter, not harder, really made sense. So the Bright Pearl team was great as far as onboarding and getting those integrations set up. Yeah. It's almost like the the similar situation we found ourselves in with Magento and Shopify, right? There's it's almost two different ways of going about it. Do we want to hire developers to maintain in the background Magento? Same goes with Acumatica. We would we would have needed a separate development team to build those API integrations. And what stood out to us about Bright Pearl was those out-of-the-box functionalities that we so desperately needed to to move the needle forward with this business. They were already done and they were bulletproof integrations with the channels that we needed most, Amazon, Shopify specifically, eBay is another sales channel we, we utilize, but Amazon and Shopify, just the initial call with Brightpool's team, we got a sense that those were just so well vetted out and integrations that could take this business to the next level and we could continue to scale with. Sure. And I think it's, it's interesting as well that you talk about the fact that the 
and we mentioned this already, the integrations were already there. One of the phrases I use a lot uh, with our clients is, okay, we found a challenge, we found a problem. How much bigger is this problem going to get if we see success elsewhere? So if the marketing is a success and all of that content you guys are creating and brings in more customers, how big a problem is the inventory system going to become? Or, you know, you're not the first person as well to, to say even recently that there was a time where we were manually entering customer data into our ERP system, or we've got a couple of B2B lead generation clients. We help them generate more leads and people filling out forms, that sort of thing. And we've, one of them, for example, we found that they were manually entering in every single inquiry into their CRM system. And we sort of said, well, could we just integrate your CRM system with the website? And we're using WordPress. Your CRM system has a WordPress plugin that's automatically updated for us. Same sort of thing, you know, that you guys have experienced with BrightPearl as well. And you plug them in together, it saves everybody lots and lots of time. But I think the other thing as well is the more integration you have, that's, as you say, pretty bulletproof and quite automatic, the more of that you have, the less issues you'll have down the line as well with manual somebody typing something in manual mistakes being made and problems and we only need to you know we only need to run an e-commerce business for a day to know how easily it can all go wrong you know if a customer's product doesn't arrive or they don't get a, an email confirmation or they're in especially for a business customer their invoice doesn't arrive you know you're going to start getting complaints and things coming in and so how much of a change did you see as well when you probably a question for you john on customer service side how much of a change did you see when you moved to bright pearl then in terms of the kind of questions and feedback you were getting from from customers i mean we saw a, a tremendous amount of success because bright pearl's integration with shopify specifically and, and also amazon from a fulfilled by merchant standpoint it enabled us to translate on-hand inventory from our kansas city warehouse to both Shopify and Amazon so that we didn't overpromise and underdeliver. You know, if we were falling short on stock levels for specific SKUs, we we could embed functionality to show customers, hey, only 19 available purchase, you know, soon before it runs out. That that sort of functionality was a dream to us before Bright Pearl came into play. I think as well with with things like that, like I said already, I can only imagine what your customer service teams were like if you suddenly sold 20 products to 20 different customers that you just didn't have in stock. I mean, it's it's the kind of, you know, it's the marketeer's dream and the customer service or uh, the fulfillment side of the business is hell, isn't it? It's, we don't want to sell products we don't have. Absolutely. And it, what Bright Pearl does really well is it enables us to stay lean, right? From a customer service standpoint, from a warehouse standpoint, uh, every which way you look at the business, it it automates functionalities to a level that just helps us remain lean. It's been a huge part of our success, honestly. I, I give Bright Pearl, it's, it's one of the main foundational pieces of the business today. You know, we have quite a tech stack on our end, but Bright Pearl is a, a huge chunk of that foundation. Cool. And I guess uh, one of the other questions as well that's, you know, and I've certainly learned a lot about Bright Pearl uh, running so many uh, sponsorships and series over the last year or so. For example, with Bright Pearl, so what, what happens when it all goes wrong? Like how much does Bright Pearl kick in if, say, a customer ordered a product that for whatever reason wasn't in stock or it wasn't going to be delivered on time? How much of the functionality of Bright Pearl have you guys utilized then to, to deal with, with that problem, to turn what could turn into a customer service nightmare to keep it managed, keep it under wraps and keep it 
clearest, you know, where is the product and how long is it taking? Yeah, so we we utilize a integration on the operation side, and I'll let Jessica touch on this, uh, ShipStation. So uh, ShipStation integrates really well with our warehouse team and, and Bright Pearl back office so that, say, a, a customer orders a product from us on Shopify, that flows into Bright Pearl. Once the goods out note and packing list is created for the warehouse to do their thing, that flows into ShipStation. Once the, the product is, is marked as shipped, tracking information then flows from ShipStation to Bright Pearl, Bright Pearl to Shopify. That continuous cycle of automation for the customer experience, the only way we can do that is through these integrations that, again, we, we stumbled across with Bright Pearl. They were already pre-built out of the box, and, and we right off the bat started taking full advantage of those. Yeah, and if I could add to that as well, on the operations side, we also use the warehouse management system through Bright Pearl. So this is a, a separate software add-on to Bright Pearl that our warehouse team uses to, they scan the barcodes on the products. So they're making sure that the right products go out. All of the order information is there in ShipStation for them. There's no manual entry, so there's no fat fingering a zip code or an address, <laughs> it all gets, gets to the right place. And then we do weekly cycle counts of our inventory as well. So we know that the information in the system is accurate to what is actually on the floor and that's getting pushed out to the different sales channels. So it's really just helped us keep accurate inventory information to prevent overselling or overpromising customers. So I can't actually think of an instance recently where we've sold a product and actually didn't have it on the floor. Our warehouse team does a great job. Amazing. I mean, again, it's really good to hear actually just, and I, I laugh slightly because I love the, I love the phrase fat fingering. <laughs> it's exactly what I do when I'm tired now on my phone, on my <laughs> iPhone, just when you're trying to type stuff. But I think it's amazing to hear just the way that you guys have solved some of the challenges and you, you use the word lean talk about the business model and I think it's absolutely key so what I guess big big question to kind of start finishing off then as we come into land what's next you know how are you guys going to keep growing now do you are you are you very much in the belief that you've got the right tech stack in place now that you know if you double tripled quadrupled your orders in the next few months that wouldn't be a problem the warehouse would be a bit busier but we've got the technology to support that you know what, what are the next sort of few stages for you guys obviously without giving away any trade secrets but <laughs> what are the next few stages looking like for you guys that's yeah, a great question nick i think it starts with just continuing to listen to our customers right we, we consider ourselves an end-to-end -end solution but uh, as new products come in the fold, you know, how can we be at the forefront of the products that are needed in addition to what we already carry? So I think a lot of future growth comes with product development, but also leveraging the tech stack that we have, you know, as new functionality. That's the beautiful thing about software as a service is Bright Pearl, Shopify Plus, they're, they're constantly working to improve their platforms. And it's what's what's so interesting about software as a service. You, you just pay month to month, but in the background, there's so many people, developers, salespeople, you name it, developing those tools to make them better. So as monthly newsletters from Bright Pearl come out about new functionality or upcoming features, we are constantly looking at those emails to say, okay, here's what Bright Pearl has on the roadmap in three months from now, we'll be able to utilize a feature that we don't currently have. 
So just really keeping tabs on on the tech stack that we're using and looking for opportunities to better the customer experience at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you covered a lot of a lot of ground there, John. And I think what's interesting again that you guys are talking about, which is music to my ears, is you're not talking about, you know, oh, we're gonna try and find the latest trend or the newest app, the best trick. What you're talking about, which I'm a massive advocate of, is just good old fashioned marketing. We're gonna listen to our customers. We're going to pump out things that are relevant to them. We're going to answer their questions. We're going to provide the best experience we can. And naturally, that will then help us grow. It's interesting as well that you guys, and this is probably one of my last questions, I think, but it's interesting that you guys haven't spoken much about PPC, SEO, Facebook advertising. And we cover that kind of stuff a lot on this show. So I guess the question is, are all of those things, are they in play in the background? Or is this stuff that actually just doesn't doesn't apply to you guys or you've taken a completely untraditional route with this sort of thing that's actually happening on the background and we're just partnering with a new website developer to really bring our website to the next level so a lot of that is you know building up that seo looking at the conversion rate i have a lot of traffic to the website how do we get people to stick around how do we get people to convert i mean that's the ultimate goal there on the website and then, um, yeah, John, John, interestingly enough, he wears many hats. He's doing a lot of work on the PPC side of things. He could speak to that. Yeah. So we definitely spend quite a bit of money on pay-per-click and, and do a lot of work in the background on SEO. Those are two, two vital aspects of the business's success as well. It's almost how I've learned pay-per-click is you spend money to help boost your organics and, and grow your organics at a quicker rate than just the, the, the brunt force way, if you will. So yeah, yeah, we pay a ton of attention to the way our backends uh, of Shopify, whether it's product detail pages, collection pages, the homepage, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all built with correct meta descriptions, titles, SEO content. It really is a, a combination of things, but really where we win and, and the key differentiators are what we hit on earlier, our, our customer service quality and, and the team that we have here to provide the, the customers with what they need and the service they need. That's hard to replicate. And as somebody who's got, you know, very much a specialism and an expertise in PPC and SEO, you know, it's the two things I spent nearly 15 years of my life working on. I can vouch that when you've got the things that you've just, you guys have spent the last sort of 45 minutes describing to, to me and to our audience about customer service, about UX, answering questions about content that's actually good and answers questions and solves problems. And especially you've spoken about, you know, some of the myths in the industry as an SEO PPC person, it's gold dust. This is exactly what we wish every single client had, which hence why I think, you know, it's not been a hot topic in this conversation is we're not worried about, you know, where to find the next little, you know, what do we do to our shopping feed to make it that extra 2% more lean? Or how can we optimize, you know, little pages? I'm sure a lot of that stuff's going on. But actually, the more you guys are focusing on the real goal, which is getting the right product to the right customer, at, you know, at the right pace and the right speed and the right price, etc. The rest of it starts to fall into place, which is uh, which is interesting. So, um, look, it's been really, really great to have you both on the show. So, massive thank you from me and the team here for joining in today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Nick, it's been a been a blast talking with you. And I'm going to steal that gold dust uh, take from you. That's uh, I like the way you call pay for click and SEO gold dust because you nailed it. It's just the cherry on the top for what we're looking to do here. So. Many thanks to having us today. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Again, thanks so much for joining us. And for everybody else listening, I hope you've enjoyed today. We've got a couple more interviews coming up over the next few weeks as well. 
probably heard this is all being sponsored by Bright Pearl at the moment and uh, one of our favorite partners. And I hope this the last 45 minutes has explained why we've decided to partner with them so much over the last year or so. So stay tuned, check out our Facebook group. It's called Winning with Shopify. If you want to get in, involved in the conversation, ask questions, recommend new podcast ideas, etc. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and we'll be back again next Friday. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you all again soon. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.